This is Cinema Degeneration. <laughs> no. Why? why? Why is that funny? Look, look. You came to me to find out how guys like Mike and Chucky and Freddie do what they do, not why. Marty Ranson was the dork of Doddsville High. You get undressed in there. His classmates laughed at him. Are you ready? Here's Marty. Where's the beast? They tormented him. Where's the beast? And then they went too far. Now, five years later, Marty's throwing a little party. A class reunion. Come on, you guys, let's party. They say he still roams the nut house, ever hopeful of that chance to escape, so he can take his evil revenge out on us all. And he's making sure everyone has the time of their life. I feel sick. He's created a romantic atmosphere for rekindling old flames. And a nice place to just hang around. Marty hasn't forgotten a thing. He's giving them a blast from the past they'll never forget. Marty Ranson is still a dork, but tonight he's getting even. Vestron Pictures presents Slaughter High. Alrighty, folks, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Cinema Degeneration's Single Serving Slasher Month. Well, we are celebrating the slashers that didn't have a, a sequel. They might have had a remake or two, but no sequels. Single Serving Slashers only. And we are going to be reviewing and dissecting Slaughter High from 1986 uh, with myself. I'm your host, Cameron Scott, and this is my co-host, Eric Phillips. How the hell are you? Good as ever. Yeah, doing a lot better than Marty, though, aren't we? Oh yes, very, very much better. Oh, poor fucking Marty. That, that's I, I might I might have written that at least several times in my uh, in my notes here. Is poor Marty, even though he's kind of annoying, like you know, but he he doesn't doesn't deserve all the fucking hell that these I'm, I'm using air quotes here. These high schoolers have uh, you know shelled out on him because it must be hard being a 35 year old senior in high school. Yeah, you know. Even he, he finally got that chemistry test just where he was going to pass. And look what fucking happens. Yeah. You know, he lost half his fucking face is what happened. Yeah. Another year he didn't graduate. 
Yep. <laughs> Unfortunately for Simon Scudamore, who plays our uh, illustrious uh, villain here, Marty, this was his uh, only movie, and he committed a suicide within, uh, like, I think a few weeks or a few months after initial uh, filming had, you know, commenced. And uh, it, it was a drug overdose, an intentional drug overdose. And uh, I know the producers I read a little bit had con been concerned that maybe some of the film had influenced or like it, it pushed his hand and wanting for him wanting to uh, commit suicide. But apparently, according to his uh, mother, said it was uh, the most wonderful time of his life and said that he had more fun shooting this movie than he had had in his, you know, uh, in his life and any other time. But uh, it's it's just sad to think that this poor guy, you know, felt the need to, uh, you know, kill himself. At, you know, what could have been a, an illustrious career, you know. But that's sad. It's sad. But but you know, you know, things happen. Things happen. But poor Simon Scudamore playing Marty uh, Resnick was his last name. I can't remember. Or Ranson, Marty Ranson. That was it. The poor guy who gets. <laughs> Gets the world's worst uh, uh, swirly in the history of mankind and gets partially electrocuted and then gets, uh, I, I don't know, what would you call it, Eric? A, a, a joint full of seeds that makes him sick? <laughs> yeah. he, they gave him a bag of barn floor to smoke is what they gave him. Yeah, oh, God. That That's why I said those guys, like, when he's like, I whirled that joint with my own fair hands. And it's like, did you use just seeds? bastard uh but anyway before we get too deep into this movie about what happens to poor old marty let's go ahead and give the folks at home the quick imdb synopsis which is as follows for slaughter high from 1986 <clears throat> eight people are invited to their old high school for their 10-year reunion where a former fellow student disfigured from a prank gone wrong is out to seek revenge and that's uh Yes and no, because this movie has a twist at the end. We'll get to the twist when we get to it, but uh, unless we decide to spoil it beforehand. But uh, what's the twist? Yeah, yeah, there's a twist. And this had three directors, which I found to be very odd. It was directed by George Dugdale, Mark Ezra, and Peter Mackenzie Litton. And I, I might hazard a guess and say that might be why this movie is kind of. Uh, misleveled at times you know as much as i have some love for it i know you have feelings for it uh her feelings about it i should say but uh you know it, it feels like some at some points this was meant to be taken as a serious slasher and then at other times it's just highly apparent that nobody gave a fuck and they were just they were just winging it well let's uh let's get this ugliness out of the way so that Everybody can be kind of on the same page that uh, that we're on, so that they're they're kind of in on it. Uh, I'm not going to have very much to say about this movie, and the stuff that I am going to say is going to be very critical. But outside of that, there are redeeming features. Now, so that, that's kind of where I'm at. I know you you are a big fan of this, and I'm going to tell you right now one thing that kind of you, you kind of bumped me up a little bit with that opening because uh, I did not realize that our lead villain had committed suicide. And I would be the first to say that he is probably one of the best performances out there. So 
uh, it's very sad to learn that knowledge and to know that, you know, this guy could have had a very illustrious career. This was, he was good at what he did. Yeah, he might have been. Ty- he might have gotten typecast. I, I, I want to hazard a guess and say he might have gotten typecast after this movie had came out. But he would have had one hell of a career. And I've always said being typecast is not a bad thing because it 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 means you, you know, got steady work. But yeah, well, not only that, but especially for something like villains. I mean, look at Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Oh, yeah. It's some of the major villains in the world, and he is so good at it. So good at it. Well, look at people like uh, even Christopher Walken, you know, you know, you look at people like Christopher Walken. I mean, like, hey, I mean, the typecasting has worked very well for him, I yes, think. Yes, it has. <laughs> I, I agree, because, I mean, let's face it. Christopher Walken has a very odd way of talking and that uniqueness stands out. And what shouldn't work Somehow, good directors make him work. I still can't uh, picture him as uh, Han Solo, though. No. <laughs> Can you imagine it? Like if that casting had went the way it has been. Like, but Chewie, we're home. <laughs> I just can't picture it going down like that. <laughs> hey, uh, who, who are you? Who are you calling scruffy looking? <laughs> <laughs> Oh jeez. Anyway, anyway, we're getting off, off track here. We're gonna we, we could do a whole show doing bad Christopher Walken impersonations. But uh, yeah, this this movie does start off with a uh, you know a, the way most of the movies in this era, you know, the late seventies to the mid eighties, and you know these slasher era epics starts with a prank gone wrong. But it's actually, if you think about it, it's like almost three pranks gone wrong. Because they, you know, they they lure poor Marty in by way of say, you know, having Caroline Monroe, who plays Carol, the the hottest thirty five year old, uh, you know, high school senior I've ever seen. But you know, uh, that, that's a, that, that that's what happens when when you're uh, married to the producer, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, ah. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Well, all these all these people are just like it, it happened so much in the late seventies, early eighties, oh, yeah. where where you got people that are clearly in their thirties playing people that are supposed to be seventeen, eighteen years old. I mean, it, it's a practice that they they still kind of do to this day in some movies. Yeah, well, this this movie is full of tropes. Yeah, but the biggest trope at all is, is the prank gone wrong because they they get Marty into the. The, into the girls' locker room where Carol is, you know. I'm going to disagree with you on that one just slightly. It's the second biggest trope is the prank going wrong. The first biggest trope is the nerd trying to get laid by the hot girl. Yeah. It's in every 80s movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I would be a bigger trope than that it's one, wouldn't it? It's movie. <laughs> oh, God. Like, it, it just screams porkies, doesn't it? It's so <laughs> It's just like, oh, they were still doing that 20-some-odd years later with American Pie, nerdy kid trying to nail the, the hot girl. But it doesn't work for him. He gets <laughs> he gets it, naked. naked. Yes. I, I, like, I love the fact when, when the coach comes in and thwarts their plans when they're giving him the, the swirly from hell. And he does it. He's like, by the way, Ransom, he's like, what are you doing in the girls' locker room in a state of undress? And he's like, oh, I think I got lost, coach. All of a sudden, he turns into Forrest Gump. 
<laughs> Not to mention when they got him in the shower with the first fucking Frank, they're poking him with poles and yelling, where's the beef? Yeah. Which, you know, I look back at that and go, I wonder how Wendy's felt like that during the height of their campaign being with where's the beef slogan with the old lady. Yep. <laughs> how great would have that been? That old woman just showed up. Uh, where's the beef? Like, oh, wait, wrong studio. Am I supposed to be next door? Okay, okay. Uh, but that's the first prank. That's the first prank they get him there. Then they all get busted. Coach has them come down for punishment down at the at the gym. But then the guys get him with the the fake joint. Now I don't know. Like they never say what's in it. I just assume from the way when he's like in his little chemistry lab lighting it and it's popping is that they just roll the joint full of ditch weed and seeds to make him sick. I mean, I, fucking, and we get the first fucking vapid, stupid, arrogant bully bullshit. I didn't, I don't even call these people by name in my notes. <laughs> I got them as douchebag, illweed, and all kinds of other shit. Bullies, <laughs> I hate them. And that's what they—they're—they're they're not. This isn't pranks gone wrong. Let's get this fucking clear. This is clear out now. Bullying and friggin' oh uh, yeah, and, and you know. These kids should be in fucking Gitmo on hate crimes. Well, you know, the, th- the third thing they do, like, what did they think was going to happen when, uh, what's his name, Skippy, or the Joker, as everybody calls him, the goes in and puts, you know, he's messing with whatever in the hell it was that Marty was concocting. And, like, my biggest problem with this movie is uh, <clears throat> why would they set that big jar of nitric acid on top of that rickety-ass fucking shelf? Why? The shelf isn't wide enough even for the jar that he puts it in. Right? The fucking science teacher should be fucking fired. Uh, Science teacher should not have a gallon jug of fucking, you know, nitric acid just sitting around where anybody can get to it, too. I'm just saying. saying. Open container, no less. No fucking glass cap. Nothing. Yeah. But, like, the, what they think, you know, like, I know at one point, like, later on in the movie, because we're going to jump around here a little bit. Because we don't have to cover this movie in a linear fashion. We usually do, but we don't have to. But, like, when later on, when they get to the school and they get like, oh, it's it's Marty. So, like, it wasn't our fault, though. None of that happened. It was our fault. It was We were just having a joke. And it's like, no, you sabotaged his science experiment that caused an explosion, that caused a fire, that caused him to get his half his face burnt off by nitric acid. That's well, not... At the beginning of the fucking movie, too, when the coach catches him and they're like, what the fuck are you doing in this bathroom? They're like, they fucking get in trouble. They're like, oh, you fucking detention now. And they fucking coach walks out of the room and they all drag behind him and they're in the fucking gymnasium. And the first thing the fucking dumb blonde bitch says is, this is all Marty's fault. <laughs> yeah, because he asked you to give him a fucking swirly from hell and, and expose him in front of the entire class. You know, because, you know, hey, you know, the people you're bullying are just, you know, asking for it. Right. Like, this is bullshit. Like I, I even had that in my notes. It's all Marty's fault. Um, how's that again? <sighs> but but then we flash forward and these assholes are all you you know where this is going. This is typical slasher fare. They're gonna these assholes are gonna get what's coming to them. Yeah, well, you know I, what? Marty kind of gets what's coming to him too because here here's my big thing with Marty is like okay, they just got done humiliating you in the shower, filming it, swirling you, all that fucking shit. 
Then just like, oh, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes later, two of them come up to you. You're like, hey, you want this fucking joy? Oh, what? yeah. Um, you know, I, I would have just taken the joint and then just thrown it away later. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Marty does. He does kind of ask himself. He makes himself a victim, essentially. Right, yeah. Stokes the motherfucking thing, and it pops like crazy, and he ends up getting sick to his stomach. So whatever they put in that thing made him sick, but he still doesn't learn. No, no. And what does he get for his troubles? He gets his hands burnt to his to uh, cinders and gets half his face melted off by nitric acid. So nitric and then we do half, and he gets a fucking seared hand from a burning hot pipe he tries to remove from himself after the fucking thing explodes. And all those kids are like all looking like, oh my god, poor Marty. Well, nobody is going to try and help him. They're just staring. They're just like, oh, look at the situation we created. Huh, ain't this a tragedy? Yeah, oh, oh, look at that. But you know what the most horrifying thing is? The biggest letdown in this movie is the fact that when Carol wakes up from her nightmare, which the whole opening of this movie is revealed to be a uh, a reminiscence of, of the, the situation that happened, and she goes to have a shower with the world's worst fucking water presser. She's using that that spray, that sprayer that's just trickling out water. <laughs> I was just like, right. and I'm the type of person that pays attention to shit like that. I'm like, oh, the real culprit here is that fucking poor fucking uh, water pressure in the shower scene. Shit, water pressure, man. Yeah. And this is where I get to my first really big complaint of the movie. Uh oh. All right, lay it on me. We're now roughly 20 minutes in to get this fucking three pranks see this movie is filled with so much unnecessary shots of just like shit you could have cut short there's so many filler shots there's horrible fucking music and the worst part is there are so many blackout shots in this movie the movie is so fucking dark at times you cannot see what the fuck is going on on screen Oh, especially when they get to the, the school, like, for the 10-year reunion. And yeah, they get there gets, and they're showing the exterior shots. is yeah. so dark. It's blackout here. You know, if you got a good sunbeam coming through a window and you're trying to watch this movie, you ain't going to see shit. Even with <laughs> the friggin' lights turned out and the friggin' room completely fucking dark, you can barely make out what's going on. I, These I are the type of movies that need remakes. I yes. have all for remake on this movie. I don't need fucking. I watched Psycho the other night. Oh my god, it still stands up to the test of time. That movie was made in the fucking sixties. I didn't need fucking Psycho with Vince Vaughn, the tiredest looking fucking Norman Bates ever. Like I would just chase you and stab you with a knife, dressed as my mother. But I'm just so damn tired. I took three Tylenol PMs and I still couldn't fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. But I would agree. I would agree. This would probably benefit from a remake because it's cheesy enough and it's 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 amateurish take enough. Take, take the cheese out of it and the amateurness out of it. The fucking kills are original. Yeah. All right. And, and I like the, the I like the master, the killer. I like the Joker mask, yeah, the Jester yeah, mask. The, the, the premise, the story's there. The premise is there. The, even some of the practical effects and the, some of the kills are amazingly done. Some of them are very cheap looking. 
but we'll get into that when we get to that. But there are some that are really, really good. Well, there's some that would be tremendous if they took out the cheese, <laughs> made it serious, updated it to today's freaking standards about bullying and stuff. This would be a fucking good horror movie. It's still a good horror movie for its time, but it could be a great one. It could be, yeah. It could. It has so much potential. But there's something that I still love about it. There's something about the goofy attitude that I, I think what, what it is is the fact that this was all filmed in London. It was filmed with everybody except for the actors who played Stella were all like uh, English actor, you know, British actors faking American accents. Donna Yeager was the one who played Stella, was the only one that was Amer- was American. That makes so much more sense now to this movie because, like, this entire time, like, I, I don't... I don't get into movies like as deep as you do. So I don't like research. I know you, you love all the ins and outs. Yeah. Know? I love, I love finding out the tidbits about how it was made and shit like that. I know, yeah. This is why we're friends too, because I'm too lazy to do that shit. You are, you're so passionate about it. And me, <laughs> hey, I'm like, Oh, it's interesting. And I love hearing about it. But I'm going to fucking do the research on it. <laughs> uh, I do research on stuff. It's just, it's just one of those things I, I wouldn't, there's so many movies, man. I That's what fucking, you got me for, right? I mean, there's so many fucking movies. I couldn't fucking do it. I, you know, I like to focus on one tiny thing. You, you just get in there and you fucking wormhole your shit. Through. Oh my god, dude! It's amazing <laughs> how you do it. I'm, I'm like, I'm like Charlie from it's that's always sunny episode where he's like everything's tying together in the mail room. That's me. Wild <laughs> <laughs> okay. wow card. <laughs> but, but you know one of the things here okay this is this is gonna i, I don't know if you knew about this that, well we get back to my point real quick uh that explains like why the the attitudes and the way that they they perceive things is so off this is british people's critique on what they think americans are how they yeah. act well you know that, that also explains the laugher gets salted <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, when they've had Canadian slashers that always appear to be, you know, like when they're taking place in America that just feel a little bit off because it's their interpretation of what they think, you know, I guess life in America is is like. And do any of us really know? I don't even think any of us really know what it's like anymore. The people in this movie, you could fucking strangle them with a cordless phone. They're so stupid. (laughs) <laughs> that's it is true but here's a little tidbit that i got for you this is something that you know because this movie was originally supposed to be called april fool's day but the, the, they found out another movie was being made with the same title for release the same year so they went with the kind of a more uh yeah the other april fools yeah i know, it, I know the movie too but they ended up going with the more generic title a slaughter high which still pretty much works but this yeah. was a the but to give the impression that the film was set in the united states uh i'm reading this almost verbatim from the imdb it says one scene skip tells the group that marty will have to stop terrorizing them because on april fool's day traditionally ends at noon if one plays a prank after noon they are deemed april's fools 
unbeknownst to the filmmakers, this tradition is followed in the United Kingdom, but is not followed in the United States where the April Fool's Day is an all-day event. So it kind of yeah. gives themselves away that they it was a British production, which I didn't know that. I didn't know that because I, I also always used to think, like, I always thought of uh, April Fool's Day as an all-day event. You know, like, hey, until you went to sleep on April Fool's Day, you were susceptible to the oh, joke. That, oh, well, that fucking cuts out one of my uh, fucking critiques. Uh, let me find it here. Some of the notes are where. <laughs> I'm just going to keep in all this uncomfortable silence just to fuck with people. Did <laughs> 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 you get get to it later i'll find it in my notes if it doesn't actually it. i'll cut all that out i'm not gonna leave that in <laughs> not even to fuck with people uh but, but yeah that, that also kind of like i said that kind of uh tells you where the, the mindset of this movie is it's, it's a british version of american high school life where you know they actually had to truck in and ship in the lockers for the the scenes you know that's why if you notice a lot of the lockers don't match from one set to the next because traditionally in, in English schools, they don't have lockers like we do in America. So they had to ship those in. And it was a place that was getting ready to be demolished, just like the school is ready to be demolished in the movie when it jumps, you know, does the 10-year time jump. Which nobody gets any older. Everybody is still the same 30 to 35, you know, when they think. <laughs> and even old Digby, man. Old Digby was the old janitor. And it's been 10 years and old Digby looks fucking like old Digby. <laughs> oh, remember, he's not the janitor anyway. He's the caretaker now. <laughs> but here's my, here's here's my second fucking biggest thing. Like, like these people are so fucking stupid. Everyone shows up for a class reunion, which just so happens to be everyone who disfigured Marty. Nobody yeah, no, else is there. <laughs> nobody else shows up. Well, I, I do kind of get it. I, I, I get it because everybody thinks it's a prank by Skip. So I do kind of get it, but like he should be concerned because he didn't like, he did not like schedule this. He did not, you know, uh, put this prank. I mean, air quotes here again, you can't see. He not, didn't put this prank together. And everybody just assumes it's like, hey, you went all out, Skip. You got food and drink and everything and put up decorations. Like, ah, I'm going to set you back a pretty petty. And he's like, you know, hey, I try. But he should straight up be like, uh, no, I didn't do this. He yeah. does it. He does it first, but then he just goes along with it like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm setting you guys all up for a prank just to get you here for old time's sake. And he's like, but, but he didn't. He, right? he, and it, exactly. That's why I like this is where my first note comes in, where I'm like, God, these people are dumb. Marty's yeah. dumb for trusting them, and they're all dumb for sticking around. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And, and again, the when shit starts breaking down. How did Marty know that that the character, I think it was Ted, was going to shotgun that beer and give us our first, well, not our first death scene because the caretaker gets bumped off first once they finally break into this, they manage to break into the school that they can't break out of later. Well, this, I, I, well, this is that there's here again in my notes where I have a problem with this movie. Everyone decides they're in the school where there is an average party spread is set up when they're on with no one around. And a big banner say, welcome back. And they discover all their missing items along with Marty's locker. And they decide to open it and find Marty's yearbook, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, this is something that I've noticed here the first time. I've watched this movie a couple dozen times, I'm sure. Um, 
Marty's yearbook was was still wrapped in in the bow to, in, in the bow, and everything. He's like, wow, I guess he never got a chance to pick that up, huh? I'm like, no, he never collected it. So like, let's open it. So they undo the ribbon and open it, but the yearbook is signed in several different spots. Right. Like, mm-hmm. but he never picked that up. Like, so whose yearbook was that? Some results. I maybe I'm. It's an eighty slasher. Was, maybe I'm too much reading too much into it. Writing it into his cells, maybe they passed it around to write right, Marty get well soon or something. Or, right, it'd be nice to write something in his yearbook when he comes and picks it up. And he never picked it up, so I can yeah. forgive that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think these kids would have had a a selfless uh, thought like that in their in their bodies. But yeah, okay, yeah, I, okay, right. I can buy that. It's maybe you know not this group, but the other assholes in the school. <sighs> but here, here's. Everyone sits around when this is going on, you know. The fucking main asshole tells a story about what happened to Marty and how he became a berserk lunatic, and thanks to their actions, they make a big joke about him breaking out for revenge and shit. Right after he tells this horrible story, so they're not remorseful for this shit. No. And while this is around, so he's telling this shit. Everyone decides to sit around and do drugs and. Yeah, they're smoking they dope get, and doing coke and well, drinking beers and mysterious invitations to reunion where only the people who disfigured Marty showed up and had a bunch of personal effects, you know, just show up. That seems safe and legit to me. And then we get to the fucking old janitor who's now the caretaker in the old high school, and funny how no one aged a day. <laughs> I like how he calls out the one dude when he's just like, you remember me? Skip Pollock, remember me? He's like, oh, no. It's like, wait a minute, I do remember you. Boy, you was a pain in the ass. Right? <laughs> he calls him I'm out. I'll tell you right now, man, that fucking, maybe it's Maybelline, because that fucking makeup that they're using is age-defying as shit. Yeah. <laughs> right? But uh. unfortunately, get first the first kill of the movie, which is old Digby. And you know why? Why would Marty have to kill the caretaker? Like, I, I mean, like he was the only one that like seemed like he gave a shit that they were like pranking on Marty in the first place. When he's the one that says, "Hey, you know, they got a lot of guys in the girls' locker room over there doing some shit." He was the only one that like helped Marty out. I mean, even the coach was kind of an asshole to Marty. I could understand yeah. him killing the coach, but not the. I don't know. That's just that's just me. Yeah, well, poor fucking. Old Digby gets nailed to the wall. You know, we get the first look at our killer in a letterman's jacket and the Joker mask. But Joker Skip mask wore is all cool. the... Yes, yes, agreed. I think it was pretty creepy looking mask. I think it was very well done. They should, and they should keep it. They should keep the letterman's jacket and the friggin' Joker mask if they ever do a remake of that movie. It's it's very good. I like it. Yeah. But then we get this shot where everyone sits around and eats the mystery food. And boom, <laughs> just as predictably possible, gut rot extreme from a spiked beer that happens on April Fools. Just as yeah. Jock strikes midnight. The These clock people strikes deserve- midnight, perfect. Like people he just deserve- happened to grab that fucking that particular beer at midnight. Hey, he knew something. Hey, they he knew that they're all fucking drinking and smoking, and they're fucking that's all that they used to do, and they're gonna come back. So he knew that somebody was gonna get that beer. How did he know he was gonna get? They were gonna get it exactly at midnight, though. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, that's just 
that's just my my problem. My suspension yeah. of disbelief will only disbelieve so much. It finally dawns on the group that something's wrong. Yeah, when Ted's uh, guts explode all over the the one girl, and they all they all bust out and fucking leave and leave her up there. Like, like I said, I'm gonna butcher this movie, but I do have some good things to say about it. And here's one of the good things: that practical effect, that gut shot on him, very it good. It looked legit. Very, it did. It looked legit. Yeah, it, looked, it was. It was a good explosion, and the intestines look like legit intestines. I would hazard a guess and say they probably used pig intestines or something, because yeah. those did not look manufactured. So I will give it that, you know, hey, how many people have used the, you know, shotgunning of a beer to explode out someone's uh, intestinal tract? Not many right. people. So I'll, I'll give them that. And this is where I'll say that, that it's no howling too, but they do get their mileage out of that damn song because they play that song again. To, like, I, I, I will admit to kind of liking the theme music. But it grates on your nerves when it's the same tone over and over again. That fucking song throughout the night. I went, it was only a two hour movie. It's not even a two hour movie. It's like an hour and a half. And after that hour and a half, I'm walking down the hall to take a piss. Walking back down the hall. It's a brain. <laughs> fucking horrible. Well, the, the, the soundtrack for being done by uh, well, the soundtrack was done by Harry Menfrandini. You know, I mean, who like infamously made the like the uh, the, the Friday the Thirteenth soundtracks, which you can tell, and especially in the one point when the one uh, Jock uh, douchebag, Josh douchebag number one, or maybe it was Josh douchebag number two, uh, but uh, jumps up with the fake. You know, Jason mask, hockey mask on, and he's like, "Who'd you think it was, Jason?" They totally even use a in the background. Like it just seemed like they he used like bits and bobs from like unused tracks that he didn't use for the original Friday the Thirteenth. It just I, I hate to say it because I love the man's work, but it just seemed really this kind of like lazy. Like he's like, "Ah, oh, I'm either gonna phone it in." Or I'm going to use half the tracks that I didn't use for the first three Friday the 13th. Yeah, this is also the uh, point in the movie now that uh, after Ted dies and uh, everyone soon realizes that they're trapped inside the old uh, school because the windows have been electrified, that this movie has a lot of blackout moments. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, this it, one makes me wonder if they were just using natural lighting for the majority of it and they just didn't have a lighting budget. Absolutely. Absolutely. You could tell that they were using natural lighting. I mean, when that shot when they're in the parking lot trying to get the car, it's so fucking dark. And then the only time you can actually kind of see what's going on is when they're by the building lighting. Yeah, yeah. Or when they when he actually gets the, the, the blonde douchebag gets the car started and he like actually turns on the headlights, then you can see some shit. This is why I say that this movie is good for a remake. Yeah, we have technology now where we can make that shit to where it looks dark as a shit like that, and it still see what's going on. Uh, I, I was gonna say one thing uh, before I get too deep into this movie. Uh, a note I had here that where I said their accents float around like leaves in the wind in this movie, like, <laughs> like they're 
versions of American accents are just plain fucking horrible, man. The short little blonde one's the worst. But you know what? It's funny that you say that because she was Nancy. the only. Oh, Nancy. Okay, the other blonde. I was going to say because uh, the one that played Stella was the only one who was actually an American. <laughs> but yeah. Nancy. Yeah, Nancy's bad. She, you can tell she's not from. America. Now that you've pointed that out, because yeah, I've always wondered uh, uh, why her accent was so fucking wonky. And now I know she was putting on a fake accent. Yeah, she was going no. somewhere in between British and American, and it kind of had this weird, like it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like you could tell it wasn't American either. Like she was some kind of foreign, but it was like it didn't sound British either. It was weird. <laughs> it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of questionable accents in this movie. Speaking of questionable things, what do you think about the fact that Shirley, who got Ted's guts exploded all over her, manages to find the only bathtub in high school history? Like, yeah. where in any high school or school that you've ever been in have they ever had a bathtub? Uh, just to yeah. say. I don't think this school looked big enough to even have a, a gymnasium, let alone like half the stuff. Like it must have been filmed at several different locations. It couldn't have been all filmed at the same place because that school was not that big. No, they they definitely had set work or something. Oh, but I I, I <laughs> do like I do like the the Shirley death scene. Now I know a lot of people have complained online about this particular death of like why didn't she just get up when when she's washing the blood off and then she turns on the water again and then starts pumping acid into it. Like you're already submerged up to mid chest in acid. I don't, I don't know how well you're going to be able to like escape that, you know, uh, <laughs> I like, I, I can poke holes into the thought of, Oh, before the acid bath though, we missed the kill. Which kill do we have? Oh wait, uh, dead Carl, right? Uh, someone in the parking lot in the car gets tuned into the poker station. Yep. <laughs> I think that was Carl. Yeah, was he gets gets right. knifed to the guts as the uh through the uh seat of the car, the rear view, just as he sees the killer in the rear view mirror. It's yeah, that's the- where I kind of wrote like that. That was a death that was kind of lackluster. It was. Like, it was. It's, it's standard, man. You see that in mafia movies, man. That was a standard. It just that's almost as bad as getting killed off camera. I think that's that's. Right. I think that's it's like. Getting killed off camera and then the back seat seeing the killer in the rearview mirror is just slightly above that. Yeah. But the acid bath? Ooh. Holy shit. Which, by the way, that's a good band. You should look it up. <laughs> I've heard uh, of them, actually. Oh, nice. Um, but this is where we get our first horrible fucking special effects because that claymation death. Oh, like. Ooh. Well, like the, the 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 burn effects on her are really oh, no, great when they those are great. Those but when fun. they do that stop motion animation of of her face dissolving, it was just like, yeah. ooh, that like they should have they would have had a better impact if they had just cut that shot out completely. All right, and but, then we uh, get, we get the dumb line of the movie. <laughs> Marty's come back for us. It's not our fault what happened to him. It was an accident. It's our fault, and he knows it. 
Of course it's he knows it's your fault, dumb bitch. We're <laughs> doing it too. Right. Well, I can't I can't get the reasoning of like one person being like, oh my god, it wasn't our fault, it was an accident, and the other person's just like, no, no, it totally was our fucking fault. <laughs> right? Like, uh stupid line of well, he knows it was us. Like, well, of course he dies. Yeah, it wasn't like you guys hit it from him or anything. I love this where we get the first kind of, or not really the first kind of inkling where uh, Stella's like, I'm scared, Frank. But then she hugs the other guy, Joe. (laughs) He's like, I'm here, baby. I'm here. And he's just like, oh, but my wife is already hugging the other dude. And and then I don't understand, like, why they even have the Susan character show up. The the one that was uh, that showed up fashionably late to the uh, to the reunion to show, have her show up just to get like strangled kind of off camera. Yeah, the bimbo in the fur coat walks down the hall and sees a giant drawing of a picture of Marty, and hands pop out of it once she's close enough, and then that's all you see. Yeah, it, it just seemed very throwaway. Just, yeah, it was kind of like, eh, here's a fucking scene we should have just fucking never shot. It just seemed a little extra. It was just like, okay, it didn't need to be in there. Like, she never needed to show back up. It just needed to believe that that's how you have a sequel, because she was the only one left. But I and don't know. Here we get to my next fucking complaint to this movie about these people being vapid, stupid fucks who I can't stand, is that throughout this entire thing that's happening, they know their friends are dead, each one of them. They find the acid bath girl. They fucking know that fucking stupid didn't come back from the parking lot. They know that fucking Ted had his guts exploded. Exploded. And uh, what do these two do? Hey, our friends are dying all around us. Let's fuck. Right, right. Huh? <laughs> what? Well, if, 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 I, I, I can say this, sir. I can only say this. If people made good decisions in these movies, then the movies would be awfully short. Okay, yeah, I understand that, all right? I, I <laughs> That's the only excuse I can make for him. <laughs> this one, there's only one thing that's even more stupider than that. All our friends are dying around us. You know what? Let me lay down underneath this heavy piece of equipment all by myself. <laughs> Which is exactly what fucking uh, goddamn Joe, Joe does. And, like, okay, stop me if I'm wrong. He says he saw a tractor big enough to burst through the, the, the garage doors. That wasn't a tractor. That was a riding lawnmower and a very That's, small one at that. Well, you know what? That's another thing that gives it away that it's friggin' uh, a UK shot. They call those tractors. Oh, you know, never thought of it that way. Yep. See? Yeah, never thought of it that way. I didn't way. think of it that way either until you pointed it out that it was a UK shot. I never fucking put two and two together. And I was like, ah, that's why that movie makes so much, it feels so weird. Well, but still at the same time, do you think that thing would have burst through that door? I mean, like, if they could have spent more time just trying to dismantle the door than trying to, you know, get a riding lawnmower that might have been seized up for fucking 10 years to run. Here's an idea. You're in the fucking shop. You know how to fucking stuff. Why don't you take the blade off of that fucking lawnmower and make a fucking weapon or something? You know, <laughs> instead of, of getting, maybe you wouldn't have fucking died the way that you did, which by the way, best death scene in the movie. Yes. And hands, hands down. That I is, love, 
I love when he's sitting there and he's. Oh yeah, when he's just standing. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I'm done. It's just it's the fucking best. It's it, the way he sets it up, and the way that they shoot it, and just the way it is great. Well, you can feel the terror in poor fucking Joe as he's like holding up that lawnmower off of him, and the guy starts it up, and you can see the blade turning, and it's like oh, like one kind of feel bad for Joe, two don't kind of feel bad for Joe because why would he like? Why would you do that stupid shit when you just kill or lose? Yeah. You put yourself in that fucking precarious situation. And then on fucking top of it, the first thing he fucking does, before he even starts it up, he removes the jack so he's got to fucking use his strength to hold this fucking thing up. Then he starts it, which sets the terror in. Oh, yes. When it it lands on him and it just splatters all that blood, it's such a great shot. It's actually... Pretty well choreographed, and actually an effect that you can see pretty well for once. Yeah, like I said, very, like I said, best, best fucking death scene of the movie. Very practical. Good then, stuff. then we get to one of the death scenes that I find to be a little bit awkward, is the Frank and Stella death scene. Uh, well, for, before we even get to the death scene, can we... Can we talk about Frank's dirty talk for a minute? Oh, oh we got to. Fucking the, God! The worst... <laughs> Dirty sex talker ever on camera. Ever. Talk dirty to me, Frank. Uh, 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 tits. Uh, Screw. Shit. Oh, shit. (laughs) Like, I love it. At one point, he's like, I should have kept my leathers on. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, like. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, it is kind of funny. I I think it was meant to be that awkward, but it's like the guy is like. Talk dirty to me, Frank. Uh, fuck. Uh, tits. Screw. <laughs> like, that's, that's hardly dirty talk, Frank. Right? right? What the fuck are you doing, Frank? Uh, I don't think he knows. I don't think he knew at all what he was doing. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I, I fucking... This is the second best death scene in the movie. It's the funniest death scene. That's fucking great, dude. The fucking... And, and by the way... Fucking, what's his name? Stella and who is it? Uh, Frank. I just have it as two more pieces of shit exit the world. He <laughs> 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 said, I hate bullies. I didn't even pay attention to their names outside of Marty and Carol and Skip. Well, most of them are just douchebag number one, douchebag number two, number three. Yeah, boop, boop. Blonde Cat- douchebag. Ah. But yeah, they kind of, Frank and Stella, they kind of c- come and go at the same time, don't they? Yeah, they do. And by the <laughs> way, Frank's a cowboy because he did stay on there for a full eight seconds. And that Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what do they say downstairs? Well, no, they know their friends are being killed. The rest of everybody else is downstairs where they're listening to Frank and Stella screw upstairs. And all they can say when they hear her screaming for a good like 20 seconds long is like, Woo, Stella must have needed that. Like, not like, oh, maybe we should check and make sure that they're still alive since there is, you know, a murderer loose in the oh, building. Can you believe that fucking whore is cheating on her husband and being that loud about it? <laughs> she must not have cared. <laughs> she really did. Now we're down to three, and the blame game begins. 
Let me do my game show host for for you. Welcome, everyone, to the Blame Game. I'm your host, Richard Heavybreath. Let's welcome tonight's contestant, Nancy. Okay, Nancy, who's to blame for Marty's disfigurement? Is it A, Skip and Carol, B, Stella, Frank, and Joe, or C, it's all of your faults because you're all horrible pieces of shit. You have 30 seconds. Time begins now. And Nancy says, it's all your fucking fault. You're the reason. You should have died, not us. <laughs> she oh, she picks Skip and Nancy. I'm sorry. You are wrong. <laughs> it's all your fault. That's all of your fault. <laughs> uh, but like, I, 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 I agree with the, the, the blame game. I don't agree with it, but I, because, but I understand it. What I don't understand is the plan. Like he thinks, Skip thinks that if they just make it to noon, everything's going to be okay. Like Marty's going to forget the fact that he's been disfigured for a decade. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. That's where I. That's what I was trying to find in my notes earlier, and we're finally here. And then it says, Skip says to survive that they just have to make it till noon, which makes no sense because I'm pretty sure that lunatics don't have timetables. Serial killers and supernatural things do. Stupid. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They even say at one point, it was like, well, Marty's stuck to the rules so far. What rules? He's been murdering you. There's no rules for that. It's just, he, he's supposed to forget that y'all disfigured him and he's been like seeking his revenge for 10 years. Like, oh, but if I, if any of them survive, you know, until uh, noon, I guess all bets are off and I'm going to go back and work at IBM again. All right. All, all they have to do is stay awake, you know. Skip says with spear in his hand as he immediately falls asleep. Like, uh, literally, I have that as my note. Stay awake. It'll be a sense. And instantly, all three of them are asleep. Uh, and I, I, I will say, though, I, I think that the scene of Marty hanging Skip done in, like, total silence of just, like, Skip struggling and his feet slipping off the you know, the chair and everything is really well done and makes my toes curl because it's creepy as fuck. Oh, yeah, he definitely does it. He's like, uh, as he falls asleep, he's awakened to the sound of jingle bells and it's immediately dragged off camera. Small, stupid, you know? Yeah, because, you, you know, you want to, when you're supposed to be guarding uh, the only two other two people left, when it's you and two other people, you go off on your own, you know, when you hear a strange noise, you abandon your post. But then again, these people are all horrible people anyway. Yeah. Hey, where's Skip? Oh, he's hanging around here somewhere. Yeah, he's just <laughs> there, he's, there he is. <laughs> oh, he's in the closet with Carradine, I guess. Okay, we get you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, that was low blow. <laughs> but I, I didn't get the, the fact I like well, I, I will say I get it later on because we're getting close to the end here and there's gonna be a big reveal, but everything is cleaned up, like when they get to the bed where you know, Stella and Frank got killed. It's cleaned up. When they get to where the lawnmower fell on Joe, there's no blood anywhere. It's all very neat and very clean. But what happens? Nancy finds the fucking uh, Marty's yearbook, and what? It's got an X, half an X crossed out. It was X is crossed out on everybody that's been killed so far, and her face is half crossed out. So she freaks out. Because Nancy's next. Yep, and she uh, kind of goes out like in a similar similar way of like uh, like that Angela killed somebody in uh, Sleepaway Camp too. She meets a really shitty demise. Yeah, yes, yeah, she does. 
Well, see, that's what confused me too, because this is another thing that should have gave it a, a, a friggin' dead giveaway that it was not filmed around here. They don't make septic tanks like that around here. Right, right. Now, I, I, I always wondered that for so many years until I had found out, like just a couple of years ago, that this was, you know, a British made slasher. Yeah, but, but as she did, had meets her shitty demise, she meets her shitty demise by being stupid as hell because she freaks out, runs off, makes it outside only to be confronted by her killer and is pushed into a septic. Yep. If she just ran in a straight line instead of veering off, off road, so to speak. She right. might have been all right. She might have been able to outrun him. I mean, Marty's been killing people all night. He's got to be tired, right? Yeah. <sighs> then we get to my next fucking problem with this movie. Now we're at our final girl moment. Our final girl moment is supposed to be this big epic. Uh, what do we get? We kind of Daryl that gets old Bigby just hanging around. <laughs> uh, just hanging out. Running around the cool random corpses popping from her friends out. Baseball bat in hand. She runs into a picture of Mari and he pops out and she gets the old Louisville slugger to him and hits fucking him, Yeah, hits him like twice and then drops the fucking bat, doesn't she? That's what they got. Drops the fucking bat. You don't drop the bat and run, you keep hitting him. So you get this big ass fucking chase scene going on now, which makes no sense. I think they were it, trying to pad out the time. They really were, because, like, in this chase scene, she almost gets a spear to the face. Then she grabs a fucking hatchet from fucking somewhere that just happens to be laying around. And she's sitting there hiding behind a door frame, and what happens? She turns and buries it in fucking Skippy space, because, oh, Skippy manager, we skipped, well, we we skipped over this part with Skippy, that he he managed to break the, 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 the rope and get untangled from the noose and everything. So he survived Marty's original plan, death form, only to get, you know, collateral damage, uh, hatchet to the face, which I thought was just like, what the fuck? Like, uh, what happened here? What the fuck happened here? <laughs> but then uh. he fucking goes through the second floor window, and instead of trying to fucking chuck that spear directly at him, she just kind of drops at his side. Hey, what happens? He picks it up and chases her again. All this fucking convoluted shit to get Beryl back in the shower so that Marty can penetrate her. Yep. I, I did like how he uh, it was brought back full circle to the, the moment where he takes where he finally takes the mask off and we finally see it is Marty. You know, like we know it's been Marty the whole time. But I like when he says to her, he's like, how do you like it, hot or cold? I did like that little nuance of bringing it back full circle. I, I, I right. think that it was a nice touch. Oh, yeah, it was. The full circle always have, is, is a very nice touch if you can do it right. They did manage to pull it off good. They, they did manage, yeah, I'm going to say, they managed to pull that one off. But the the thing about this movie that, that this is where we've, we've actually managed to uh, keep this a secret and not blow it to the entire movie. There's a dual fake-out ending where, you know, Marty's walking around. He's like, you know, he starts boasting like, I killed you. I got you all, you motherfuckers. Me, Marty, I did it. And then he starts hearing everybody calling his name and, you know, the the ghost, you know, the, the I, I, I I'm interested <sighs> to see what you think about the by my theory with this ending, because he starts seeing all the ghosts of everybody's killed. You know, they're they're bleeding out and they're chasing them. They look like, you know, is that what that was supposed to be? I thought he wandered into the set of a fucking Pat Benatar music video. <laughs> well, he might have. 
that was how they were able to get the effects budget so low. <laughs> love is a battlefield playing that thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, it, it was kind of music video looking. But what, when he pops back up, when it's revealed at the end, though, that Marty's this in the institution, this whole thing has been a quote, quote unquote dream. This is what I kind of take this fake out ending. When the nurse comes in, is it's like, oh, don't worry, Marty, we're taking the bandages off in a couple of weeks. And then, you know, Marty kills the nurse off camera. The doctor comes in. He's in the nurse's outfit. When he turns around, is Marty, you know, holding the, the struggling nurse down and sticks the, the doctor in the eye with the syringe. So he's killed the nurse. He's killed the doctor. And he starts, it's the gross, gruesome shot of the movie, I think, is when he starts pulling his face off and it's, that just yeah. pauses like mid tear as he's tearing his new plastic surgery face off. I think, you know, like usually with fake out endings like this, where they pull the whole, it was just a whole, you know, the whole thing was just a dream. This is why I'm able to forgive this movie for it. Cause I think Marty has been, you know, this is Marty's only been in the hospital probably a few weeks, maybe a few months. He's been going through all these surgeries, you know, and all this uh, post-traumatic post shit. I think he's been living this out in his mind as a, uh, as a like, how do you want to say, like a fantasy in his head, a fantasy nightmare, you know, for so long. Morphine drip. Huh? It's the result of a morphine drip. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But I think, the, like, the perfect ending, you know, th this would have been perfect to have an immediate sequel to would have been, like, Marty actually going out and killing off all these people. I think they were sending it up for that perfect sequel that just never happened. Because he's been, you know, I always thought to myself, perfect way to start this next one off would have been Mar Marty going through with all these, like, fantasies that he had, you know, of killing his classmates and luring them back for a class reunion. Because we don't know how much time has passed between the, the incidents at the beginning of the movie and the way the movie ends. So, like, I would have thought that it, it would have made for a perfect sequel, but we just well, didn't get one. Well, with the tragedy that happened shortly after filming and... Yeah. It just, it's, it's sad because it, could, it, it, it had potential. It really could have. And if it, who knows, man, the sequel probably would have done a lot better. I mean, you look at Sleepaway Camp, yeah, it's pretty cheesy and it's kind of really bad looking and stuff. But then you go to Sleepaway Camp and Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3, they look better. They're good. They hold up. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I, 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 I catch some flack for this, but I like Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3 better than the original. They were great as a double feature. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Ask Angela Barker. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I think uh, Pamela Springs, I know a lot, a lot of people have, I, I got mad love for Felissa Rose, but I also got mad love for Pamela Springsteen as, as Angela. I think they're both, they both play very different versions of Angela, which is why I like <laughs> how they play them. I, I, yeah, thumbs up to both of them. But that being said, we are at the end of Slaughter High. I know we've kind of shit all over this movie a little bit, but I still got mad love for it. So I'm really interested to know what you think, Eric. You know how we do things around here. Uh, final thoughts and a rating on a scale from one to ten. Well, like I said, I'm very critical of this movie because it's one of the ones that I, I've watched. And it aggravates me that they didn't take the time to get better writing. Just, 
I don't know. If they would have saved it and got a little more budget, a little more time, it could have been a well-lit movie. It could have been a little bit more well done. There are problems that, you know, too many filler shots, too many unnecessary shots, too many blackout shots, horrible music, uh, bad acting, except for, you know, a few really good, like I said, Marty was good, Skip was good, Carol was good. Nancy had her moments. When she stayed in her accent. Yeah. But for the most part, they're they're forgettable characters. Um, The death scenes are very well done for the most part. There are a few wonky ones that don't look right. But, you know, you had to use what you used to use at the time. Evil Dead did it too. So I can forgive Claymation. But... It was in the days before they had CGI, brother. They had the, had, we had right. what we had. Exactly. We had to use what we had to use. So I get that. It's just, there's better claymation out there. They could have took the time. They didn't. It, this, this feels very rushed. And uh, very, you know, like, like they didn't exactly know what they were setting out to make when they were making it. It was like, did they didn't want to go this more comedy route or did they want to take this more serious route? So all of that. The really things that make no sense, like your friends dying all around you and stopping having sex is just, they're just... <laughs> There's believable stupidity within movies, and then there's just like, are you fucking kidding me? Stupidity in movies, and that right there is crossed it. So, that being said, it has enough originality. This movie needs a remake. It, it really does. It needs to be updated. It needs to be shot better. But it needs to keep the storyline. It needs to keep the premise. You know, don't change the deaths. Don't change the story. Just sh- reshoot it take out the unnecessary shit and take out the stupid shit and you got a very very great horror movie but this this should have remained a script (laughs) four out of ten four out of ten gotta go four out of ten i'm coming in considerably higher than you (laughs) you are i know you have love for this movie and there's nothing wrong with that and actually, my rating came down a point. My main rating came down a point uh, over our review because you made me kind of open my eyes to some shit that, uh, you know, sometimes that's why I love doing these shows. My, my my ratings will come up or go down a point, you know, sometimes, you know, when other people kind of make me open my eyes to like, oh, shit, this is what I've been misunderstanding. But uh, I mean. I'm still not going to blow this movie to the moon and back. <laughs> I'm giving it a seven out of 10 because there are certain things that just need to be fixed. I mean, there's so some superfluous shots and then parts. The Susan character didn't need to be in there. You know, the actually even the, the caretaker character didn't need to be in there. It was, I mean, it was an inventive death scene, but the character just didn't need to be in there. Personally, I, I you know, p- playing the ad, devil's advocate of a writer, I would have had it been the coach. That would have seemed like it would have made more sense to me. But the the things that that uh, get get to me is this uh, some of the inconsistencies, like you said, the 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 misleveling of humor from one moment to like 
gruesome this and the next. It's just it didn't know what it wanted to be. And I think it would be right, you know, to become a, a you know, to have a remake in, of, of sorts. Because, yeah, just to have the budget to to to, to do the effects right. Because the, the, the effects, you know, are good, but they're they're ruined by shots that are not so good. It's just like they it was almost a matter of like less would have been more if I'm making sense. Like yeah. the, the claymation shot or some of the wonky like shots when they're doing the electrocution scene. It's just sometimes it's just like great, but there's like that one shot does kind of ruins the rest of it. And the lighting, the lighting is so bad it brings it down. Originally I started out as an eight out of ten because I just I love the goofiness of, of this movie. But, uh, yeah, like I said, you kind of opened my eyes to some things that were just kind of somewhat wonky in this. And so I, I got to give it a 7 out of 10. I still I still love this movie, but I do agree with you that I think, uh, and you won't hear me say this very often because I'm not a fan of remakes, but I think this is a movie that would benefit from a remake. Yeah, this is a movie, like I said before, it's so bad it's good, but it could have been so good it's great. There you go. Yeah. That's the way of putting it. If it had just been made with a little bit more love and care, it could have been a, a great movie instead of just a bad, good movie. Well, you know what? But the, 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 I think when we, in the beginning of this show, we struck on what's wrong with it, too, is, is that you had three directors. That's oh, way, yeah. That's way too many people pulling in three different directions. That's what I also thought, too. Like, if it maybe would have had just one driving creative force behind it, maybe it would have been... Just a, a little, little notch better. Well, dude, look at me and you. I mean, we did, we did a long way of similar thoughts and processes. But this show tonight proves that we also think differently about things. And could you imagine me and you trying to direct something at the same fucking time? We'd end up pulling each other's hair out and hating each other. <laughs> no. One of us would have gotten a hatchet in the face, right? And one of us is going to fucking direct, and the other one's going to fucking produce. Right. <laughs> All right. And then vice versa, if, if so need be. I often <laughs> said the only two t- only times when a movie benefits from having a, a a dual set of directors, if you have one director set to take care of the actors and do that kind of stuff, and one director taking care of the, the technical angles. Right. Or if you're going to switch genre. Like, here's a perfect example of two directors. Have you seen that show, Kevin Can Go Fuck Himself? No, but Patty watches it. I'm familiar with it, but I haven't watched it. It is fucking good. And here is why it is good. I have never seen anything on this TV like this before. And when I watched it at first, I'm like, what the hell is this? And without getting too much into the show, it's basically about a woman and her husband and the life they go through. And the woman's side of it is shot like a drama. And it's very like it's dark lit. It's very it's very reality and gritty based looking and stuff like that. Okay. When the husband comes into frame, it goes into the fucking bright lighting and the sitcom looking atmosphere. Oh, it's a sitcom TV show. And the the premise behind this is that this woman is struggling with her marriage because she's living in reality and her husband is literally a goddamn cartoon character because he's so fucking vapid. It's fucking brilliant, dude. I've watched both seasons of it so far. And I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it's a fucking really good show. You should watch it. It fucking uh when I when I get when I get through uh watching all three seasons of Ghost, then maybe I'll start that one up. It's really good. I was actually surprised how well I liked it. 
Huh. Well, we'll check it out soon. Yeah. Only so many hours in the day. I, I got to finish yeah. a couple of shows first, you know? No, I get it, man. I get it. But that it's like, that's, that's a prime example of, like, that would be a good way of using two directors. If you're going to shoot something that looks totally different from something else and be in the same show, that, yeah. would, that would benefit. But Still, I can't even imagine having three directors. That just seems like too many. One movie and three directors going, well, we should do this. No, 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 we can't do this. Do this. Well, what if we do this instead? And then you got the guy in the middle. I think we should do this. No. Yeah, this is too many cooks in the kitchen. Too many cooks. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's and that's what stuff made this movie suffer, and it's, that's where it feels so. Awesome. Yeah, it, that's why it's a it, it it is still one of my favorites, you know, of you know being a, a quote unquote single serving slasher, but at the same time, it's so unpolished. I will, I gotta admit that. I'm gonna get you know what? I'm gonna give it a point up. I'm gonna go to five. We go five ten. Here's why, because why we were talking about this, and while I'm thinking about it is that it kind of comes off as a fever dream, but it's supposed to be a fever dream. And three directors giving it that pull and pull kind of gives it that fever dream feel to it, too. So, yeah. Oh, so you're amending it? You're coming up a point to five? I'm going to come up a point to five. Okay. Well, that's good. That's usually my cutoff point when I can recommend something or not. I usually say five and up I can recommend anything below a five. Unless it's a diehard, diehard fan, I can't recommend something. But with that being said, I think we can put a pin in this one for the uh, afternoon. I've had a lot of fun <laughs> doing this one. I kind of like it sometimes when we pick ones that we don't necessarily see, you know, eye to eye on. Because I think we, we have similar tastes and we usually see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. But I made you come down a point. You made me come up a point. So yeah. there you go. And that's what friendship is all about, folks. Yeah, it's being able to have differences of opinion and come out on the other side of a conversation, not in an argument. Hell, you say. <laughs> surprise, surprise. People can get along. Oh, shit. Hell, you say. Try it, people. It, ha it hasn't worked yet, but you can try it. <laughs> oh, but that being said, buddy, uh, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show again for another Appreciation Month. It's always good times, man. Well, folks listening at home, you have been listening to us dissect and review Slaughter High from 1986 for our single-serving slasher month here at Cinema Degeneration. And if you want to know how to help us out, you know the, the three good ways that you can do that is rate, review, subscribe. You know, th those three little things will uh, help us out a lot and get us our podcast out there a little bit extra push. So you can find uh, Cinema Degeneration wherever fine podcasts are sold. So as always, thank you for listening and keep on listening. <laughs>